Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Um, yeah, Donnie and Stephanie have been a huge blessing to us, and um, Donnie has been there and walked some things walked some things out with us and, and has always had um, just a word and season to give to us and just speak life and um, give godly, godly perspective and give a touch from God. So I just thank you for that. Um, I don't take this lightly. I'm just honored to be able to share with you. Um, I am Sean's wife and Amariah's mom and Eden's nana. And um, yes, hey baby. And yes, we... Um, have been missionaries in Guatemala. We are called to be missionaries, but we are um, in the marketplace right now, and that's not where we're supposed to be right now, but we know that Florida's a hub for us, and we'll be going out, and we'll come back, and we'll be going out and come back, and we don't know exactly what that looks like. Um, what I've uh, discovered with God is my life is like an abstract painting. I, you know, I plan the best I can with his guidance, but you just kind of go with the flow day by day and discover what he's got, you know, what the next step is, what the next place is. So um, so our time in, in Guatemala was, was wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was absolutely eye-opening as far as culture goes and how people live and just um, feeling the love that God has for a people group and sending us to that people group to offer Jesus to them was just a blessing. We did experience um, some some healings and salvations, and um, I had the privilege of baptizing um, one of the young men who got saved in my bathtub at home. Another one in a in a spring. Um, we spent wonderful time with um, orphans and loved on them and had them over for sleepovers. And Emma walked in one day, we had three boys sleeping over. She walks in and this little guy has his hand behind his back. And I was like, what you doing? You know, what you got? He had the turtle. He was going to take the turtle to bed to go to sleep with the turtle. So <laughs> there was a turtle that lived in the room where they were staying. So it was just, it was wonderful. And uh, serving God like that was one of the most fulfilling times of my life. We were there for two, two years. Some things happened in our family. I said, okay, before that, I had said, okay, this is home. I'm finally at home. And then God went, nope, you're going back. You're going to Canada. And then we were in Canada for a while. We came back to Florida. When we got to Florida, we, Florida, we eventually ended up at OHOP. Well, OHOP is where we started learning about intimacy with God. We were like, what? And God had given me this vision once, and um, it was in Canada before I got here, and it was Jesus, and he was standing in a town, and he was leaning against a wall, and one foot was against the wall, and the other foot was on the floor, and I was walking by. It was, there was buildings on both sides, and a street, and there were cars and people, and I walked by, and I glanced at him, and it was like, ah, I'm too busy you know, too busy with the kids you gave me, too busy with um, homeschooling. I've got to do these things for you. I don't have time to stop, but I'll be right back. And then I saw person after person, and they would just walk by. Some didn't even notice his value. Some didn't even know who he was. And he was just longing for an, an encounter, for a touch, for a personal 
relationship. And so when we got to OHOP, learned about intimacy, and I, I jokingly said to Sean, but I don't know, you know, we'll see what happens, but I just said, okay, there's a conveyor belt, and our works in heaven will be going through this. They will be tested by fire. I said, Sean, I think what we did in Guatemala is just going to be burnt up. And, you know, I don't know what will, what won't, but I understood then when you do something apart from being totally connected with God, what does it mean? Is it, is it just me doing something because I want to feel good about myself? Or I, I know the word says, you know, to be holy. And so, okay, let's go do this. Or I have a desperation to share the love, but I'm not connected with the lover. How much of the love am I actually going to share? The Bible says that apart from God, we can do nothing. Okay, so... He made us, he's created us, so without him creating us, we would be nothing. But, I, but I, I flip it around also and think, apart from God, whatever it is that I do is nothing. In, in, in the um, scheme of eternity, is the, I don't think that's going to stand. So um, when I got back to Florida, I ended up going through a, a phase of um, great depression and dealing with anxiety and depression. But for about a year and a half, the depression was so bad that my husband honestly went to work and um, he didn't know if he was going to come home to a dead wife. It was that bad. It was such a dark season in my life and I didn't know how to get out of it. And um, I'm not... I'm not I'm not depressed like that. I'm not suicidal like that. I'm good. I still deal with this depression, oppression thing, and I still deal with anxiety, but I'm getting victory, and I'm getting freer and freer and freer. But I'll tell you, it has been a walk. And it wasn't until a couple weeks ago that I could honestly say, thank you, God, for that dark, wicked season, because it's what has made me absolutely desperate for him. There's nothing else that can satisfy. My husband, he's amazing, my greatest fan, but he's not perfect, and he's not meant to take God's place. He can't satisfy. My beautiful babies, my beautiful grandbabies, they can't satisfy. You can't, friend can't friends can't, corporate worship can't. It's got to be a face-to-face encounter and knowing him. So at one point, God said to me, when I was absolutely suicidal, he said to me, Chantel, and I, I love my babies. Like, I, I've, I love my babies. I love being a mom. And, um, you know, I've failed my kids in some ways, and I've hurt my kids in some ways. And then in other ways, I've loved them well, and I've shared Jesus with them as much as I could. And, um, but regardless, I just absolutely love them. And God said to me one day, Chantel, I want you to choose life so that your babies, your kids can live, so that your kids can have life. And that I could relate to. It was my love for my kids and my love for him saying, you've got to live. You've got to live. You can't die. You've got to live. This is what I'm asking from you. And, um, and it goes without saying, you know, my husband and I, our plan is to 
die like the notebook. We're going to go to bed one day. <laughs> we're just going to go to sleep and then we're going to wake up in heaven. So we don't, you know, I wouldn't want to leave him or anything like that. I wouldn't want to put anyone through that pain. But um, anyways, as time went on, um, I started... I started having encounters with God where, I, I love the word, I'm, I'm in the process of getting my, it's about my last year right now, of getting my bachelor's in Bible theology. I love the word, I'm in the word. Even when I was depressed, I was in the word. I was going to school. I was driving to Bible school and calling my husband saying, I just feel this darkness, like, dr- like this voice, like drive off the road, drive off the road. This was on the way home from Bible school. Like it was just insane. Um, but anyways, um, the word's very important to me and I forget what I was just going to say. Oh, so I had this encounter with God. I was, I was comfortable with Jesus and I could relate to him as a husband. And that's primarily, I think, because of how much healing my husband's love has brought to me and how, even though we've gone through terrible things, we've learned love through what we've gone through. We've learned commitment and also, um, I've learned the safety in marriage and with a spouse. And so Jesus as the bridegroom, me as the bride, I could relate. But, G- but the Father, God the Father, I was fearful of him. And about two and a half years ago, um, I, I was um, with a lady f- facilitating like a prayer encounter. And um, I was with Jesus in the throne room and... Um, it was just, I'm going to condense this. It was just absolutely beautiful. And it was a throne room, not the throne room. And there was a stage and we walked up and the presence of God was so thick and Jesus was just so joyful and so delighted. And he walked me up the stairs to where like this curtain was. It wasn't really a curtain. It was like a wall of light. It was like a curtain of light. And I just saw all these colors and he just said, um, do you want to see the father? And I was like, heck no, I don't want to see the father. I was afraid of him. I didn't think he was going to love me. I didn't think he was going to accept me. I didn't think that he was, um, going to be an encourager. And, um, and of course that has to do with, you know, things that I've gone through with my own father. And, um, so I just said, do it afraid. I'm going to do this afraid. I said, yes. And we stepped in and I saw all of these colors moving, living, vibrant, like in my eyes were closed and I'm looking around. And as I'm looking around, I'm seeing more color. And it just kept, I knew I was in in God, I, Jesus all of a sudden disappeared. I knew he was there, but he was a part of the light. I knew the Holy Spirit was there. And um, I was there for about, the whole encounter was about an hour and a half. And um, the love that I felt just wrecked me, wrecked me. And he was drawing me to him, not as a human doer, but as a human being. And he was just saying, just be, just be, just receive this, just soak this love up. And um, at one point he said to me, which it was very significant because of things he had shared with me before, but he said to me, Chantel, I'm safe and you're home. 
and I broke. I cried and cried and cried and cried and cried because of what that meant to me. And then he said, all these things happened. Everything was in him. The universe was in him. Hell could be found in him. I knew there were people like over there. I, I just knew they were there. I saw these colors. It was like fuchsia and pink and white. And when I saw it, I just went, it's, it's the heart of Jesus. I knew it was the heart of Jesus. When I was seeing things, I knew what they were and they didn't have a regular shape. And, um, and then fuchsia does mean the heart of the bridegroom. And so it was just amazing. And then he said to me, Chantel, can I, will you welcome me into you? And I was like, now this is getting, like you're really getting beyond the wall that I've built because of wounding for my safety. And you're really asking to just break through or um, be invited to just come in and get past that wall and encounter me. And I said, okay. Yes, and I was laying down when this happened and the person praying was sitting on a chair and it was like the anointing, it just covered me like a blanket and the pressure was so heavy, I could hardly breathe. It was like a blanket full of lead just pushing on me on this bed. The presence of God, I was, it was like nothing I've ever felt before. It was so overwhelming, I almost started hyperventilating. And God just said, just breathe, just breathe. And then all of a sudden it went, it went from on me to, and God was in me. And then all these things transpired. We just spoke and he spoke. And, and then he said to me, you're safe and I'm home. Oh, I was a mess. I was absolute mess. And um, in the meantime, Jill, who's with me, she's seeing colors. She's seeing colors in the room. The presence of God was so thick. She's on the floor. She's just crying. She's a mess. And we just worshiped. We just worshiped him and worshiped him and worshiped him. So um, after an experience like that, I just... I was so hungry, and I remember asking you, but you didn't really know what I was asking. Like, how do you, like, I wanted to know, how do you, how do you go back there? Like, how do you go back there? I want to live there. I want to live encountering God, knowing he's there. I want to be in this realm and be in the spirit realm and be able to go like this in and out and fully function. Like, I want to live with heaven here. The kingdom of God is in us. It's in me. He's, he abides in us and we abide in him. I want that to be a life experience, not just some writing on a page. And um, anyway, anyways, that was kind of interesting. As, as time went on, um, you can put up uh, the scripture and nothing is going to go the way I planned. But if you can put up Deuteronomy 30... 19 to 20. Okay. So it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, this was Joshua right before, after the 40 years, right before he took the Israelites into the promised land. And, um, 
then it says that you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, um, to give them. Now, the inheritance was the land for them. It was a natural picture of our inheritance. Our inheritance is Jesus. When he said, and the invitation isn't just to me, when he said, I want you to choose life so that you and your children can live, he was saying, choose me. He was absolutely saying, choose me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He was offering himself as an invitation for me to totally grasp, encounter, walk with. And, um, when, uh, and the thief comes only... So, um, yeah, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's John 10, 10. And so in this, that scripture is so packed full. When he says, um, choose life or death, blessing or cursing, it's, it's about being in covenant with him, about walking with him, about moment by moment, the choices that we're going to make that will put us hand in hand with the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, moment by moment, to choose life with our thoughts, with the things that we speak. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. They're so, they're so linked. And um, the things we uh, do, the places we go, what we listen to, but it's, but it's different than when I was in Guatemala. It's not, I need to do this so I have worth and value. No, I have worth and value. The difference now is because I love him, I want to please him. Because I love him and he delights in the things that I do that bring life, I want life. I want to choose the blessings. Um, one of the thing, one, another way that God um, really totally rocked my world about him as the father, um, one day, my little um, grandbaby Eden, she's over there, and that little girl is just so special to my husband and I. She's just an amazing little girl. She's so loving. She's so bubbly. Um, she laughs all the time. She brings joy to people. And she's just a delight. Like, we're so excited when we get time with her. And um, we look forward to spending time with her. We think the best of her. We love little Eden. Can't imagine loving a little person more. Just so pleased. And one day, Father God still trying to, you know, get me to, to really encounter him personally and trust him. He said, he started talking to me about Eden and he's telling me the things that I'm telling you about Eden. And I'm just smiling and I'm like, you notice too. <laughs> like, of course he notices he made her that way, but it doesn't matter. It's just so cute to have this interaction with God. And then he says, Chantel, that's how I feel about you. I was like, what? Wrecked, 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 wrecked. And to think of how part of Eden's purpose of being born was to give her Nana a revelation of the father's love for her. Wow, wow, she's only one. I can't wait to see what else is in store.
And um, things like that, those encounters, they're, they're pictures that are burned in my mind. We are made so that when our brain sees a picture, it's real. So when you're rehashing, for instance, if you're rehashing some abusive thing that someone's done to you and you're going over that and you can see that, your brain thinks that's happening. So when I go over this beautiful idea of how my father, my daddy God, who I've never seen as daddy God in my entire life, just thinks of me as his little girl and I picture that, it becomes this this life-giving reality, this thing that I hold on to, it becomes like, you know, the scripture, without a vision, my people perish. That vision, such as it could be God's identity, our identity, the purpose that God has for us, that vision becomes like the banks of the river. And that's what keeps us going in the flow that, has, that God has for us. So that vision of I'm daddy's girl, that keeps me within that path that he has for me. And if I step out, no, no, daddy's girl wouldn't do that. Or no, 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 this is not delighting him. I want to delight him. Get back in there. Get back to where you're supposed to be. Um, recently, um, it, was, it was just a beautiful thing. I had this other encounter with God and um, I didn't realize it, but I've been ignoring the Holy Spirit. And the Godhead is three. It's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And to enjoy and have a relationship with all three, you, you have, and, and to know, like in the word about all three, you have um, the fullness of God. You can't just have the Father and Jesus and not the Holy Spirit. You're, you're missing out on a whole third of the aspect and characteristic of God. So one day, um, I... I was, I had this encounter with God and I see lots and lots of colors and this blue and white color was coming to me, coming towards me. It was like a wispy smoke, but it wasn't smoke. Um, and I knew from looking at the blue and the white, I knew it was the Holy Spirit and he was approaching me kind of like a banner or a blanket and, um, he was asking, without words, he was asking permission to come closer. And I thought, well, yes, yes, you can come closer. And he wrapped himself completely around me like you would a beach towel. And I felt him under my arms and I felt my posture totally change. This confidence came on me and then the scripture came, I do not have a spirit of fear but a spirit of power, love, sound mind, or self-discipline. And I fell to the floor and I just wept and wept and wept and wept because, you know, when you're going through depression, anxiety, oppression, well, hello, here's, this is your ammo. This is the spirit. This is your power. You have um, the comforter with you who empowers you, enables you. And um, we are not, uh, we are overcomers. We are, we are victors. We are not defeated. And yet, just the, the contrast between what I was walking in and experiencing and then him with me. And um, 
And then I got up and he was still all around me and I knew he was showing me abiding, abiding in the spirit, abiding in the son, abiding in God. And then I saw Jesus and Jesus came literally. It was Jesus right pressed up against my face, pressed up against me in a white robe. And um, it was like, this is where I'm to keep my gaze. This is where I'm to spend my life uh, looking and seeking. And it was also a picture of wearing the full armor of God, but in a different light. And um, I could see, okay, I have the helmet of salvation and I have the breastplate of righteousness and I have the belt of truth and my feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, I have the shield of faith and I have the sword of the spirit. And I was just like, oh my God, this is our identity. Like this is us hidden in him, him hidden in us. Like, wow. And then um, I was totally surrounded um, in purple and purple. I knew it was the father at that time. And it was like the, the Trinity and me and abiding in him and him abiding in me. And then um, he clothed me in priestly garments and I was wearing the ephod. And I just, cause we're priests. We are priests. This is all identity. This is who we are in him and what he's created us to be and walk in. And, um, I'll never be the same. Like when things, when things happen and um, I'm dealing with whatever, anxiety or whatever, I can just quickly go to that picture, speak scripture, feel his presence or not, and just know that I'm safe and I'm protected and I'm okay. It's going to be okay. I just have to get through whatever this lie is that's in front of my face that's here and and seek him, keep my eyes on him, and draw from him. Um, so on this journey with um, choosing life, um, choosing him, and there's all these scriptures about abiding. Let me just go over a couple of those. John 15, se- uh, 15 7, and sorry, I don't have it on there. Um, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's a condition. If we're asking things from God and they're not happening, are we abiding in him? There could be many things. It's just something to check and it's not a condemnation thing. It's just a, uh, something that can come, come up that can spur us to to okay, really, truly connect with him. In John 15, five, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and it is I no longer, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Um. The end part of Colossians 3, 1 to 3 says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your, and before that, it says, Set your mind on the things above. These are all parts of how we abide in him. These words, and it goes on and on and on. It talks about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 17. It says, That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. This is all um, 
they're not just words on a page, they're, they're for real. They're a picture of a lifestyle, picture of a covenant, picture of a relationship. So with this, um, choose life or death and power, uh, the power of life and death are also in the tongue. This is something that, um, that I think the two go together um, totally. Do, can you put up that scripture? Uh, Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. Okay, it's very long. This is the amplified, the traditional amplified, but... Um, it's just so, so good to have this, this plumb line of, of truth, to know what, I, what do I use my mouth for that's acceptable or not acceptable. And, it, and again, it's not a works thing. It's a, I'm going to either co-labor with God and bring about life for me, my family, and for others, or I'm going to co-labor with Satan. There's no option. It's life or death. That's it. And whether we realize it or not, um, this is what's going on. So this, I could be on this for the next 70 years and never be done. But it says, let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as it is fitting to the need and the occasion, that it may may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those who hear it. We're called to be a blessing. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And out of love, we don't want to hurt the Spirit whom we are in relationship with. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed, marked, branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption, of final deliverance through Christ from evil and the consequences of sin. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper and resentment, anger, animosity and quarreling brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive, or blasphemous language be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind, and become useful and helpful and kind to one one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one, one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you." Wow. And I just think of what I've used my mouth for. I think of, as a body of Christ, even sometimes what we get together and we talk about. If the problems with my kids or with my husband and things that I share, let no foul or polluting language or evil word or worthless, uh, unwholesome talk ever come out of your mouth. Like I'm, I'm missing it. We're missing it. And by, by um, saying some of the things that we say in our frustrations, in our trials, we're, we're speaking death over ourselves, over the ones we're talking about. And, and again, it's not a, oh, condemn me. It's a, 
Oh God, may the words that I speak be pleasing to you. Teach me to be a co-laborer with you that I may bring life and help the ones that I love and help my enemies even fulfill their destiny and their calling. Help me speak what you say about them, what you see in them. Yeah, the problem, you know, sometimes you need to correct and rebuke and deal with some issues and that's fine. Um, but that's not, what, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, what we do with our mouths is so, so important I think the next scripture should be uh, James 5.9. Yeah. So do not grumble against one another, brethren. So this is within believers. Lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. We're not even to complain. When we complain, we're opening up a door to be judged for the very same thing that we're doing or be set up to be in a position where we're doing the same thing that we're complaining about. So sometimes we think as Christians, you know, if I'm not having sex, doing drugs, getting drunk, I'm okay. But that's not, that's not true. That's not true. If we're not walking intimately with the Lord... We're not okay. And by, by the things that we allow ourselves, we're okay with watching on TV or the things we're okay with saying or the things that we're okay with joking about. It's an indicator. If those things don't line up with this, it's an indicator that there's no intimacy with God. So, you know... We even have an accuser of the brethren, the devil, and he, or his demons, whoever, they will even highlight things that we're doing, ways that we're sinning. They're legalists, they'll do whatever, whatever in they have, and um, they'll take. So if I hear, and I know it's not from the Father, if I know it's a condemnation thing, and I hear, you're a liar, let's just pick one. Instead of just saying, I rebuke you, Satan, get away from me, da-da-da, and leaving it there, Go back to the Father. Father, I've just heard this. I know it's from the accuser, but God, search me. He, there's usually some truth weaved in an accusation that he brings. So, Father, am I a liar? And let him speak to you. And the answer would be, no, you're not a liar, but there are some things that you've lied about, and so let's deal with this. If there's root issues, if there's woundings, if there's healings that need to come about, if, there's, if it's fear-based and this is a security thing for you, he can uncover all that. We don't need to go searching through our past to find out this, that, or the other thing that may have um, brought us to where we are today. Seek him, seek his face, and he'll highlight whatever it is in our past that needs to be brought up, to be brought out, and so that we can have freedom from that. Um, okay, the next verse is James 4, 4 to 8 and 17. And I know it's, it's long, but um, the word is so... So rich. Um, James is not talking to believers who are 
uh, fornicating, committing adultery. He's talking to believers who are jealous of one another, who are preferring themselves over others in the previous verses. And by the time we get to verse four, he says, he calls them adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the script that what the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, he desires us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do good, to him it is sin. Um, an example of this, and, and, I, and I please hear me, I don't mean this to be a heavy condemnation thing, that's not my heart. But these things are important to God. And um, here's a little example, and then I'm gonna read you the paraphrase that I believe God gave me of those scriptures I just read to you. Um, I was telling Donnie, um, when I got off the plane, these are the little things. So I spent a week and a half in the presence of God. It was just, I went to Holden, Missouri uh, last week. It was just absolutely amazing. And in the word and in his presence and in his word and working on a farm and just loving people and having a good attitude. And, and um, I got off the plane and there was a woman in front of me and I had a nasty thought about her. I don't know what it was like she's, oh, she's whatever. I don't know what it was. She, uh, her outfit was ugly. I don't know what it was. It was something, but it was rude. It was rude. Soon as I heard it, because of the intimacy with God, I was like, it caught my breath. I was like, oh my gosh. So out of love, the fruit of love and a relationship with him is we're going to notice things that, aren't good. They're not pleasing to him. And right away, I just said under my breath, but out loud, nope, I cast that thought away in the name of Jesus. I just bless her. I thank you that she's your beautiful creation and bless her with whatever um, you have for her, greater intimacy with you and her calling on her life and just said, please forgive me, plead the blood and walked. And that was it. I was, it was done. And I just felt like this delight, like, oh, that's so cute. She loves me. It was just, it was beautiful. It wasn't like, oh, I need to be holy. Let's, let's feel good about myself. No, I'm loved and I'm valuable because of who he is and because he made me. But I want to please the Father. I want to please Jesus. I want to please the Holy Spirit. I want to love him and love you. And without him, I can't do it. And without his word, I can't do it. So here's the paraphrase. It kind of, it reminds me of the Song of Solomon. I hope it blesses you. And I, I just want you to hear the heart of God. I want you to hear the invitation that he has for you to snuggle up close and to dwell with him, to be intimately acquainted with him so that you can have life and have life more abundantly. So in James um, James 4.4 4. so it's a paraphrase 
You are committing adultery with the world. You are in bed with the world, forcing God to be against you. You have made yourself God's ex-lover. The scripture is clear, the Holy Scripture, the Holy Spirit jealously longs for that place of intimacy with you, but he divinely enables you to kick that lover out of your bed. Therefore he says, God stays far away from the proud. Decide to love God and truly know him and he will be reconciled to you. Stop sinning, you sinners. See how your actions are breaking God's heart and stop doubting the pain that you are causing him. The last verse 17, it just says, when you know what the right thing to do is and you don't do it, you are sinning in bed again with the world. I just, it's so heavy on the heart of the Father for intimacy and relationship. He longs for you. He's made you fearfully and wonderfully. He delights in you. He loves you. He has good plans for you. He doesn't want to harm you, doesn't want to hurt you. Some of the things that you may think he's restricting you from, they're the very things that you're walking hand in hand with Satan with and you don't even know whose hand you're holding. He's just saying, come, come my beloved, taste and see that I am good. Know me, let me know you. He wants you to open yourself up to him, be vulnerable to him. Let him in those secret places. Let him break down those walls. Let him love you. Everybody wanna stand? wants to encounter God, wants intimacy with God, wants to live with him daily. I'm just going to pray. And your encounters don't have to look like my encounters. They won't. God is going to relate to you in a way that speaks to you. And I'm just going to pray over you. Father God, I just lift up your precious people, your sons and your daughters, your bride, your friends. And I just ask, Father God, that you encourage them to be brave enough to totally embrace you, to totally welcome you, and surrender who they are and what they want, and just encounter you. I just ask, Father God, for intimacy between you and them in that secret place, in that hiding place, moment by moment, day by day. May you burn in them a revelation of who you are, revelation of who they are, and a revelation of the encounter and the purpose that you have for them on this earth. May we take the time to pursue you and to know you. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. 
If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.